there's the low tier option and the high tier option. So the low tier option is the the, the pint with Pete. So oh. you, get to, you get to video <laughs> chat. It's charged by the thirty minutes. <laughs> it's, it's all you can all you can stand. So, so it's Dad kind of like Pete will be extra. the big geisha. He'll sort of sit and drink yeah, you beer just with video you. Chat, but he'll just chat. he'll just talk at you about things, the history of you know. Victorian yeah. beer, and then the high tier option is is Mitchum in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a cooking masterclass with, with yeah. Pete, and he's got his apron on and his his undies, and he's just <laughs> cooking up a storm. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchin. No, it's Brews News. Radio. Oh, it's Radio Brews News presents Brews News Week by Cryer Malt. News Week. Whatever we <laughs> call it, Pete, doesn't matter. Look, roll on. Yeah. <laughs> they, the listeners know who we are. <laughs> Do you want me to do it again? No. Thanks, thanks, I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, uh, in lockdown and affected. Uh, And joining me, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Good morning, Pete. Welcome back. Technical problem solved. We got the satellite back up. Yeah, we missed you. Uh, G'day, Claire. Now then, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, we got Jimmy Gold as well. G'day, Jimmy. Hi, Pete. Are you running, mate? I heard. I, right I did see some smart ass from Queensland say, "Oh, it's really cold. I had to put a jumper on. It was like twenty four degrees." Or something. So, do you guys just like stop running? It was windy yesterday. It was bloody. It cold. was very windy. Oh. Wasn't it? It's nice today though. It's sunny. Yeah. It was, um, I just dropped my um, the, the middle pilsner off at school. She's uh, year eleven and or twelve, so uh, they're back until this afternoon or tomorrow or whenever stage four lockdown. Um, commences mm-hmm. and uh, it was I couldn't see the end of the driveway that was that foggy um, and one degree out where we are so Oof. hopefully nice. that makes you feel a little bit better it does yeah oh I feel for you it's going to make your trip back up to Queensland whenever that happens so much more special mm-hmm. shorts on yeah no, I've already, yeah, I've already, we're already starting to put, put money aside in a little special account that um, matures in three years so hopefully yeah we'll be able to be allowed back by then we're actually thinking of um, just to understand what's going on in the regions. We're, we're thinking of taking the Brews News office up to Cairns for a week, um, <laughs> and you know, just sort of working out of Hemingways or you know one of the uh, you know, the breweries up there, just to you know show a bit of support and you know, get a bit of summer. Yeah, go on holiday <laughs> in the heart of winter. <laughs> Well, I did see somebody in my Twitter feed uh, said that it was nine degrees in Cairns. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that was overnight. I think that was the beer temperature. Yeah, it was a really, really hot day. <laughs> Good on you. Well, speaking of beer, um, we should just, before we get into the, the news news, the AIBAs, the cutoff date for the AIBAs. Go to rasv.com.au beer um, in link in the show notes and uh, you can get all of the details. But yes, uh, yeah. just get, get, your, get your entries in. Let's make the 2020 lockdown edition of the AIBAs the best ever. Well, that's it. Presumably, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. I'm going to guess that there will be fewer um, entries because there will be fewer judges to uh, to judge them. Uh, otherwise, fewer international it's going to be, entries as well. be hard work. If we still get the, uh, you know, two and a half thousand entries and we've only got 14 judges, that might 
Jeez, lunch, lunch would be funny. Um, <laughs> have, your beers, have your beers compared to the best Australian brewers? And uh, it's, a, it's a great benchmarking exercise for your beers that are brewed to style. Mm-hmm. Entries close on the 7th of August, everyone. There we go, 7th of August. So what are we now? I've, I've kind of lost track of, um, it's... as indicated yesterday, Matt, I <laughs> sort of said, oh, everyone up the cards tomorrow night and came back, oh, we're changing it to Thursday. So, oh, isn't today Tuesday? <laughs> I've been doing that a lot recently, Pete. Yes, they're, they're all blurring into one. Yes, it is a little bit that way. But um, now, speaking of uh, COVID, uh, our first headline for this week, uh, for those who missed it, COVID-19 marketing is in the spotlight at ABAC. Uh, Wine and spirits have faced the brunt of ABAC complaints over the last three months with the watchdog urging caution over COVID-19 online marketing. Um, In its latest quarterly report, an array of companies, including Thirsty Camel, Bundaberg Rum, Impression Gin, as well as restaurant chains Grilled and Winghouse by Bavarian, were judged by an ABAC panel. Over 60 complaints made in the quarter, which was double the previous period. Um, ABAC determined 26 within the timeframe, upholding 13 and dismissing the other 13. And can we just point out that it was only three of those were about pair? The ones that they determined, only three of them. So well done, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, it, 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 it's a big thing. And, you know, it, there's a couple of things that came out uh, of this for me that, you know, beer marketing, you, you do have to think about your beer marketing. So, you know, COVID presented uh, challenges to businesses and, you know, they had to respond. But you, you think about how you use something in your marketing and don't encourage people to drink. Um, quite apart from it being against the ABAC code, you can see the way that the anti-alcohol campaigners have used that marketing as a sign, you know, as, as a signal that the industry is, is irresponsible yep. and using that to call for greater regulation. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why I think you need to be really, really mindful yeah. of your marketing. And secondly, um, well done, you know, again, like, People, you know, the brewers are becoming much more aware of their, you know, small brewers are becoming much more aware, um, you know, after that little spike in pan- and packaging issues and things, brewers are becoming much more aware and, and thoughtful. And I think yeah. even the ones that were beer related, a lot of those were historical, Claire. Oh my God, yeah. Super. The one was from like January last year. Mm. The other one was, I think there was one from like 2014 as well, something like that. Yeah, there was and a, a lot of them historic. Yeah, Fireball whiskey 2014. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which was ridiculous, and a lot of them are. So they are having a look at that and saying, I think they will be talking about whether they should have a cut-off point for, like they said in one of their determinations that while this is still out there, a reasonable person isn't going to trawl through six years or whatever it is of mark somebody's yep. social media or their marketing to dig this out and therefore but obviously a complainant has, um, probably just to complain about it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think so, they're talking so, about so Claire, that. So, it's not a case of a brewery retweeting or, or you know, um, sharing a memory from three years ago on Facebook no, or whatever no, like that. This they've is literally stuff got, that's yeah. sitting in the archives that they've probably forgotten about that was probably three and a half marketing managers ago. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And, and, yeah. and before they were even aware that there was an ABAC code. It was 2016 that we first started um, covering ABAC um, determinations and met with a bit of you know angst um, for, from the industry about it, but uh, at that stage a lot of people didn't know um, about it. And I think one of the best attended crime malt trade hub um, discussions that we've had, and one of the most downloaded podcasts afterwards, was the one that we did with Hendo, um, you know, to, where he gave that really detailed analysis of one of the beers that he had. It was Jimmy Brings, I oh, know Jimmy yeah, gin- Gingerbread Maniac was the was I think probably the first. That's right. Yes. Um, infringement or the, the first one that came to everyone's attention um, 
as being looked at by ABAC. And businesses, you know, breweries just weren't aware of this ABAC and the um, obligations and also the reasons for it. And it, it has become something that is much better known these days. Yeah. We are seeing, you know, like you're still going to have ones where somebody doesn't really think they see a cute photo of a baby holding a growler you know, on <laughs> that was social really media yeah, yeah. and reshare it um, <laughs> yeah. because it's like an insight, isn't that? Yeah. Um, because it's not part of a planned communications. But, mm-hmm. you know, those things will uh, always happen and hopefully happen less and, you know, the, the, there's no malice in them. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the number of just out and out um, – Infringements is is declining. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And pirate said, life again, though. It'll sorry. be interesting to see pirate <laughs> life. life. Pirate they life. love it. They're they always so in many, trouble. So many I, on there. I counted them up last year, and they had like one a month, basically, yeah. all last year. I spent some time on the ABAC website last night, and it's actually <laughs> it's actually quite fun. It's like a skill tester. I was going through all the all the complaints. And you can read the whole, you know, what the what the claim is, and they they usually show a photo or yep. a link to the video, and um, I, it was like a skill tester, a marketing skill <laughs> tester. I went through and I went, I can't see what's wrong with that. I, I, some of them are really obvious. Some of you are like, okay, cool, they're swimming and they've got the you know, shotgunning a beer or whatever. Yeah. But or impression one, gin saying that they've got they've, they've health, got vitamins yeah, and stuff in it and like they're super healthy. But yeah, the yeah. the winghouse one was so funny. I was looking at it and it probably <laughs> took me 10, 15 minutes before I conceded and I, I can't see what the issue is. Yeah, yeah. And I read the the, the complaint. actual complaint and it was um <laughs> that it was two two women holding a stein, a liter yeah, stein. Yeah, yeah. And the complaint was that it that the amount of alcohol that they were potentially or assumed to be able to be consumed was more than the safe daily intake (laughs) for a female. I'm like, what? Poor (laughs) ABAC, I want to send that complaint in on a fully funded, taxpayer-funded research tour to Oktoberfest. Just yeah. so they would lose their little brain would explode. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, because know. the because the minimum requirement for a an Oktoberfest um, server is that you must be able to carry a minimum of ten steins. So that's no. ten liters. Ten liters, that's yeah, not yeah, true. Mass, so what? A, 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 yeah, and, and, and you can't buy beer in less than um, you know a, a liter. Half liter Welcome st- to half Europe, liter stein, everyone. I think is the. You know, oh, I think the, you can buy half. Yeah, no one does. Like, that, that was in the ad. It was actually they were actually holding five hundred mil steins, and mm-hmm. that's what got the uh, claim dismissed. But it was assumed that they were one liter steins. Okay, and that, yeah. but that was that was big. all it was, and yeah. it was it basically it. the complaint was it was going to be dangerous that those girls were going to drink a liter of beer. And, and and what did everyone think of the? Did did you see Pirate Life? You know, which last month had a determination where they mm-hmm. got cleared that they weren't making a health claim. Because mm-hmm. it was tongue-in-cheek. Because it was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. They yeah. Uh, doubled down this month. You know, w- yeah. w- what do you think of that? You know, what, it was some super fruit, super ox, super food thing, this, this jujube or something, yeah, some yeah. new thing. Come and it on, was, it was yeah, they were like, they say it's got <laughs> antioxidants and it's good for this, that and the other, but we just think it tastes really good. Yeah, so it's still a little bit toe in the line there, wasn't it? It's but almost like saying, it's like, well, beer is made with water and every human needs water to live. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay so, so, so what do you think about the fact that they're obviously having a piss take at the, the, the regulator? You know, yeah. d- 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 oh, does I that, didn't, I'm too thick to have realised that. D- does that undermine, you know, d- as an industry, should we be holding the regulator up um, as something that is important or should we be... Yeah, making fun of it and potentially diminishing, making it an object of fun. It's. I think there's a pretty, there's a line somewhere, and as we always say, mm. if you don't know exactly where it is, maybe yeah. don't stand too close to it. But you know, you go through some of those complaints, and there are some pretty 
ignorant, you know, uh, there was one that was a nightclub that was emailing people and it was, you know, I'm, it was so blatantly, yeah, obnoxiously, yeah. like, come and get wasted, wasted and, yeah. you know, drink your problems away. And that that's mm-hmm. not good and that's not what the alcohol industry should be promoting. Um, but then some are like, mm-hmm. you know, the feral uh, biggie juice was, they got done for saying, you know, bigger, bolder, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, that's you're promoting a high, a high ABV product yeah. and yeah. that's not safe. Because so, of its alcohol content, yeah, not just like, saying it's got al- high alcohol content, yeah. yeah. But to um, me, that is that is the problem, that when you've got people that are willing to overtly, like when, when you've got a little fat lamb that, you know, everybody knows is just about taking a two-litre goon sack um, and taping it to your hand. Um, have you seen the social media post with like the, 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 the kid with two little fat lambs um, it's like taped the into his hand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and when you've got a business like that that is just so clearly targeting a demographic and all of the, the, the deals, but not in a way that you can actually, you know, get your finger under clearly. Um, and, and everyone knows it's, it's, it's dog whistling to you know, kids to get drunk um, with, then when they can operate, it makes it, you know, it's just too easy to cast everything else in, in the same in the same light. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Anyway, that's, that's APEC. <laughs> and I think too that, um, you know, people are going to absolutely lose their shit in, in a year's time when Pirate Life brings out a, you know, a pokies porter and a, a blackjack, Lager mm-hmm. and a you know roulette red IPA when they um, establish themselves in the Adelaide, <laughs> Adelaide Casino. casino. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it because really, are, is anyone going to copy Pirate Life? Well, I'm just but that's the thing. Mark. Like their, their growth isn't going to come. I mean, that's a, that's a you know good story that we don't have in the show notes, Pete. But you know, Pirate Life has you know signed to be the uh, venue in yeah. the, the casino now. While it's Big things being made about it being pirate life. It's CUB. Like it, it, it's yeah. this is the sort of thing that room. you only get. Well, no, it's not even indie. You only get these opportunities if you're big enough to fulfil them. Yeah. And you only get big enough to fulfil them if you've got the backing behind. And I bet you that whilst they've got a brewery in there, CUB are going to have all of their other core range beers ranged in mm-hmm. the casino as well. Oh yeah, that'll be part so of the deal. That that'll all be part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and that's where it matters. Like those guys, you know, always. You know that they were willing to sort of be indie and edgy when they wanted to be, and even now it sounds like they're you know, they're, they're, they're being edgy within the, 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 the <laughs> within the limits terrible, uh, <laughs> of, 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 within the CUB empire. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But you know, mm-hmm. the, the, I, I suspect the more that they get into those things, the less they care about you know the the sorts of bottle shops and bars that uh, you know gave them yeah. their start because they. Yeah, that's it. It, well, they've got the backing of CEB. They don't need to care about that, just like they don't really need to care about... I'm sure they get a slap on the wrist every time they get an A-back <laughs> thing, but at the same time, CEB can handle it. <laughs> if, uh, if are you suggesting, Matt, that uh, Pirate Life risk becoming a, as punk as the Go-Go's? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, oh, no, we, we can talk so about piratey. BrewDog. We haven't talked about BrewDog for a while, but uh, I'm, I'm coming around to BrewDog a little bit. Uh, uh, what? So, whoa! whoa. <laughs> no, flash. Oh, no. Can you guys temperature test him, please? I'm worried. I'm very worried. <laughs> I think he's becoming delirious. Oh, I've, I've got a pumping COVID. headache. It could be that. an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> well, no, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. We'll sort of uh, talk about it. But, you know, they, they, they are showing a, a certain degree of maturity um, these days. Yeah. It's, 
Matt approves. Matt approves. Well, well, no, we they, they've they've turned their baseball cap facing around to the front, and you know they're wearing age-appropriate clothing. <laughs> you got the top top button done up on the polo shirt. Hold on, I've just had a I've just had a text from our uh, from our social media consultant um, who has said that Pirate Life has updated since um, it was first shared in the Facebook group. Apparently they've uh, updated, they've changed the Facebook post. So I'm just uh, going looking it for that. It doesn't mention any of the Chinese herbs and all ah. that stuff that they said before. Oh, they removed they the second, they've, they've ah. taken the second, they've, okay, they've taken okay, the photo. Interesting. I bet someone pointed it out to them and they were like, crap. I wonder whether that was, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Because um, they had the front can, the, the front photo that said Ruby mm. Jujube and then they had a like photo. Like a description bit. Of the bit, back talking they? about yeah, all of yeah. it, and they've they've removed that. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if uh, that that's the oh, head yeah. office has said, "Hey guys, you know, we're sick of this. <laughs> <laughs> we bought you. You have to follow our strict social media guidelines." Yes, <laughs> we know you're pirates, but you got to yeah. <laughs> sail yes. between the lines. You were Acceptable pirates when pirates. you were raping and pillaging. Once yeah. we give you the money, that's you're it. no longer sort of yeah. pirating. Your I'm, just, I'm imagining in ten years' time, like the pirate life but it's like a cruise liner <laughs> like almost like Disney-fied yeah, yeah, like Johnny Depp style yeah. love boat life love, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Sparrow becomes a gopher we're all now as as research uh, is sort of suggesting that uh, our young'uns are waiting later to drink and drinking less, um, so alcohol consumption is down, uh, indie brewers are taking on budget beer. So uh, this is an interesting one for me. So during the COVID-19 period, data showed that customers were looking for value ranges, buying in bulk, um, perhaps more so than they were previously, and a number of independent brewers rose to the challenge of producing more budget beer. We broke the story of, um, what was it, Plan C, mm-hmm. which was uh, oh, Western Australia's it? other yeah. side Brewing. Recently, um, Ballistic Beer from Brisbane has launched Brew Unity, an affordable, full-flavoured Australian pale ale, and Hemingways uh, in far north Queensland launched its Resilience Lager, a limited-release, priced-for-tough-times beer, which has now evolved into its Cane Cutter Lager. Um, this is an interesting one, I think. It's uh, Muzzin Hajar has been a big one for talking about the, I guess, um, not the race to the bottom in terms of trying to price, but offering an, an alternative uh, that will encourage volume sales in that, you know, rather than, you know, oh, it's $23 or whatever for a six pack, but mm-hmm. oh, actually it's only 58 for the, for the case. I might go the case this time. Um, what do you guys think? Sorry, what sort of the argument is he on that we the brewers should be having budget? Like options, you should be able, yeah? you should, yeah, if you're, now, and I don't know the, the whole mechanics in terms of the economics of it, whether or not you you know make a bit more on your big-ass big IPA and you take a bit of that profit or you just you know work with your suppliers and your ingredients and uh, labelling people and that sort of thing to say, I need to produce something. And with uh, Hawkers, obviously, it's, it's the Rover mark, which is their, you know, their value proposition. Uh, and I think a lot of other breweries are looking to do similar sorts of things. So rather than trying to cut each other's lunch, you say, we've still got this stuff here. We're not going to, you know, make our double IPAs, you know, 350 a can, but we're going to offer something else that we can do mm-hmm. at, a, at a lower price. Yeah. Um, I thought that, yeah, I mean, I spoke to Wade and um, Craig at 
Hemingway's uh, for this one. It was really interesting what they were saying about a lot of these um, budget options came about purely because of the situation. So, for example, Ballistic had to fulfill contracts for ingredients and they were like, what are we going to do with this Um, and what will help potentially help our customers same with Hemingway's they were like what could be a nice thing to do for our consumers who are doing it just as tough as we are so I think a lot of this came about purely from the situation and I think the general consensus was that while the budget beer thing is an interesting area to look at brewers just don't have the economies of scale to be able to do that consistently for long periods of time Um, you know haven't got the distribution uh, haven't got those sort of those very situation specific issues that ballistic had um for example just during the covid time so i think the the idea was we probably won't go down this budget route but it's interesting that it's been we've put our toe in the water yeah and it's i think for the bigger guys you know even like pre-covid we sort of started to see you know mountain goat released goat which was just like an easy drinking ale and then um, I think Feral did Feral Draft and, you know, even from talking to sales reps, you know, a couple of years ago, that was the beer that they were really using to push their promotion. So obviously they can produce it for a lower cost. But for the smaller guys, it's it's interesting. And it's kind of just because you can do it, should you do it? And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I listened to a um, an interview with uh, Lockie from Ballistic and he was talking about the process of how they got the price down on mm-hmm. on the brew, brew, brew unity, unity beer. Yeah. And... Um, it was effectively going, the beer's still really good, but they had to really put their heads together and figure out how to make it mm-hmm. turn over quicker, use less hops here and, yeah. you know, tweak the malt bill and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, and it was, it was but not, not, u- not using the, um, yeah, the, pa- the four, four pack, pack holders, holders and, yeah. holders. and they used um, old cans and things like that. A- anyone that's interested that wants to understand the cost of beer, Black Hops in 2016 did a post where they were very open about how much every element of the, the, the brewing process cost. Um, and they've just updated it given that their business has grown. And so they're now brewing like 15,000 litre batches. And just you know, looking at it, uh, for a 15,000 litre batch, the ingredients are looking about $6,000. Um, but then you've got the cans are 4,320 um, the lids are nine hundred and seventy nine. So you're looking at almost you know, the, the 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 can costs as much as the ingredients to go in a batch of beer. Yeah. But the four pack holders, the pack tex, um, for a fifteen thousand litre batch of beer, twelve hundred and sixteen dollars. Goes into just those clips. Yeah, um, that's crazy. And so you look at that and you kind of go, well, okay, so they can do it for less, but it's not presenting it in the same way that you know when we think of micro breweries or craft breweries or whatever it's we're kind of assuming a level of quality and that comes from both the product and the packaging Mm, and the whole experience so you're kind of asking them to go okay here's it's going to be a pretty budget looking simple like can design yeah they're not going to do anything fancy the ingredients are going to be simple probably all australian um the beer is going to be simple in itself like they did lager which admittedly takes a little bit longer but is I guess relatively simple yeah. ale, simple ale. Yeah. Like it's not going to be anything fancy. Yeah, and then I guess you wonder. Like I think it's great, but then you start looking at well, if we can produce this this product, which is going to fill you know whether it's the barbecue beer or just the beers in the fridge at home, you know the everyday drinker, if it's going to be fifteen or twenty dollars less for a carton, or five dollars or ten dollars less for a six pack or whatever, um, 
you kind of go, well, if people just kind if it's still good beer and people are happy to drink it, it probably will take away from your core range pale ale mm-hmm. or it might diminish your brand offering. So I think, I don't know, if anyone wanted to do it, I, I would think maybe having a separate, almost a separate brand or a separate product mm-hmm. that doesn't really align with the core range and it's almost yeah. the sort of everyday and yeah, low price. Do you prices, care enough you know? to do that? Are you going to make the profit yeah, margins totally. on that to But then also, isn't that just another death in this idea of craft beer? Um, because, you know, I w- you know, craft beer is always about using more hops and yep. better ingredient and yep. more flavour. And yep. suddenly, you know, if, if you've got them sort of saying, well, we're going to sort of, you know, Look at how we use hops to get more flavour out of less. Yeah, you know, it, it, again, it, it goes down to at what point does that mean? Well, we're not making craft beer anymore. Yeah, we're, and and do you want to be competing with the, the big houses that yeah. make their beer very cheaply because they they want to ferment very quickly and they use a high adjunct load because it's easier in the brew house. Yeah. Um, you know, and all of those things. And at, at what point does what craft held out a promise as being? just erodes away so there is no difference quite apart from the the point you're making about the brand and things like that um does it just harm this idea that craft beer is better Mm -hmm. yeah and there's probably some level where scale just makes sense you know Mm -hmm. might not make sense for a really small brewery to do it but someone like ballistic you know i guess a good example would be if someone's if you know i've seen this happen a lot if someone's having a wedding and they're catering themselves they go we just want 10 cases of beer two cases are going to be ipa for the craft beer drinkers and eight cases are going to be the easy drinking thing. Mm-hmm. And if they look at it and go, well, you know, we're already spending a bomb on this wedding. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is going to cost us X amount. If they can get a case of Furfy for 50 bucks or $55, and that's the, that's the eight cases they buy, and then they buy the two local IPA cases, you know, if you could get those sales and go, cool, well, we can produce this thing that's 65 or $70 for a case, and it's our everyday drinker. You're still supporting us. You're still buying our beer, and it's still good beer. It just doesn't come with all the bells and whistles. Um, maybe there's an argument to have that as your – have it there as an option, but maybe you just don't push it, right? It's it's sort yeah. of a – you know, it's it's almost come to the brewery and we'll we'll hook you up kind of <laughs> set up. Yeah. Well, it is really interesting as well because what came out of it was while maybe we won't go towards the budget thing, we might go towards the sessionable buying, maybe buying slightly more, but the lagers, the simple pale ales, the gateway beers that we like to talk about a lot, that's what people will go towards. And we've seen that so often, like you mentioned, Mountain Goat. Um, and loads of other people bolted did their lager before they got bought and all that kind of stuff. So... It's more that I think brewers will go towards these more sessionable ones um, as we try and grab some market share. And going back to the, what the craft beer promise, like if you go back, yeah, Pete. And I mean, th- th- this is sort of the, the two old men uh, situation. You know, mm-hmm. when we were getting our drinking licenses, as you love to call it, <laughs> you know, you you bought a carton. You didn't buy a six pack, let alone a four pack, because they they weren't there. And yeah. beer was something that you bought as a carton and then maybe if you're going to a party and you wanted to have a you know a Ponzi import um <laughs> you'd, you'd get a six pack of uh you know yeah, maybe a six pack of prony <laughs> or a six pack of crownies yeah, yeah. and spend a little bit more money and and get less but your purchasing decision was based on the, the, the carton and you know if, if if we see craft brewers going back to well we're going to sell a budget carton with no plastic rings or anything like that are we going back to you know, are we closing the loop and just sort of hastening the decline back to the, the, the beer market that we knew before, albeit with a little bit more choice? Yeah, I think maybe it's just responding to a changing market in the same way that, you know, the 
can uh, traditional slab has now become you know the 16 can block and you know we've people are wanting more variety so we, we put out you know 40 different you know core range products or you know 30 limited release beers during the the season um we're now sort of saying okay here's here, here's where we make our money here's where we're most efficient here's what our particular consumers want um and who and our what our particular competitors are doing and i think it's sort of uh, responding to that so i don't know that it's the the death of craft but i think it's it's certainly responding to you know a changing landscape speaking of which while we're still on the uh the covid plant and pivot kind of <laughs> what's it called Un- unprecedented, unprecedented times oh, and, and, and responding hell. to a changing landscape as well yeah. i thought that's yeah. where your segue <laughs> yeah, was going to be to this either. one uh, Moondog launches Pub in a Box. So Victoria is doing it tough right now, you may have heard, uh, with Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews um, putting Melbourne into lockdown again last week. But Moondog Craft Brewery is sweetening the sour with its Pub in a Box. Uh, launched this week, the $100 Pub in a Box contains two schooner glasses, uh, some beer snacks and a selection of beers from Moondog's limited release and core ranges, as well as a, a beer mat. Not oh, a beer mat, as no, in, as no, in yeah, a, beer, yeah, a, beer, a beer mat. A bar run, not the beer mat. A beer you can't mat. replicate that. Me, me in the but, box, so yeah. Let's call, it a, let's call it a bar runner. You can have some good quality beer chat uh, with me, with every box. What happens to you after well, maybe they've done have, with you, though? You know, the, just chuck you in I don't know bed. if you two young'uns are um, old enough or um, dumb enough to remember. <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, Boonie, Warnie and um, Ian Botham... Uh, little talking figurines. Yeah, I, I yeah. wonder whether we could get CUB to design a little mat one, and you, you know, whenever <laughs> well, you say yes. a certain, say a certain word, it goes off on a rant. CUB ended up apologising <laughs> for the Booney doll because you know Booney was associated with excess drinking, and they sort of acknowledged that it probably wasn't the the, the, the way that beer should have gone. It was it was a clever insight, but whether it should have been done. But mate, I would happily sit on, on the top of your TV and sort of say, "Hey, back, hey, back, fair, fair." Independence doesn't matter yeah. until it does. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your catchphrases. All, all the all the all of the greats. Bin tang um, effect. But I love this, uh, uh, Moondog. You know, we, we have seen a lot of um, businesses coming out with interesting ideas to, to to engage their consumers and you know um, merchandise their their, their product. But this was one that just sort of really had a lovely, um, you know, feel about it. And when you, when you saw the photos with you know <laughs> the little moon dog bar runner and oh, uh, things, it was just beautifully done, well played, um, guys. And I really hoped that they. And apparently they completely overwhelmed. Claire. Oh yeah, they were they were absolutely rammed the first day of it. Um, and they said uh, Brooke, the brand marketing manager there um he said that uh they even got orders from interstate so even other people in other states were getting a little bit of moondog a little slice of moondog in their um living rooms which is really cool and he said i I, he he hoped it was because people were like well we've seen how it is in victoria and we want to be cautious and that is absolutely to be commended uh but it was also a fun idea you know altruism will only take you so far keep the brand going keep the brand in mind Mm. that also helps yeah. Well, well, on that, I, uh, it's been really cool to watch people innovate and come up with really cool ideas like this. And I thought that maybe we could do something similar. And I Ooh. thought about a, you know, maybe an hourly service. And there's the the there's the low tier option and the high tier option. So the low yes. tier option is a, the the pint with Pete. So oh. you get to, you get to <laughs> video chat. 
It's charged by the thirty minutes. <laughs> it's, it's all you can, all you can stand. So, so it's Dad kind of like Pete will be extra. the big geisha. He'll sort of sit and drink yeah, you beer just with you. Chat, but he'll just chat. he'll just talk at you about things, the history of you know Victorian yeah. beer, and then the high tier option is is Mitchum in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a cooking masterclass with, with yeah. Pete, and he's got his apron on and he's. His undies and he's just <laughs> cooking up a storm. With, with, with his rub, sort of getting his rub and sort of showing it. Oh, so he's yeah. very good at barbecue as well, Pete. So what do you, yeah, what what do you think, Pete? What do you think? Did, can we, can easy, we uh, pimp easy, you easy, out? Easy, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know where the apron, the undies and the rub came from. <laughs> Sorry. I just, it's a really I think I was imagining visual a premium image. product, I think. Yeah, I was <laughs> just imagining If you search the on the Bruzier's website, you'll find uh, Pete's rub recipe. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. I think it'd be great. You know, one thing you don't want in your box is exploding cans. <laughs> oh. um, so let's hope that uh, yeah, the uh, the hundred dollar pub in a box obviously comes with good quality beer that's um, shelf stable. Um, this one just keeps popping up again, guys. Yes. Yeah. Look at Twitter. Um, this was America, um, obviously, but it was just an interesting discussion. I just <laughs> thought it was you know some interesting discussion and even more interesting discussion in the the, the Facebook group. Um, the Radio Brews News Facebook group, just about um, Trillium Brewing uh, had a beer. I'm not even sure what style it was, but it was something that had a lot of um, fresh fruit. Fresh fruit. They, I think they do a season. It's it's different every release, but it had three different fruits in it. Mm-hmm. Probably, I think it was but like added a, after fermentation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and their response when people were complaining that the beer was exploding was, you know, we, we do all of these things to try and keep the, the – product shelf stable um, we pasteurize we do this we do this but it only takes you know a lot of fruit and one yeast and, and things can go wrong um, so please keep your beer refrigerated and you know we've seen it before we actually had a um, podcast episode titled you know it happens with all beers and it just doesn't happen with all beers and you know telling people to keep beer refrigerated because it makes it better more enjoyable makes it last longer that's one thing telling them to um refrigerate it so it doesn't explode that's a whole other thing you know there was a lot of victim shaming going on in that post i didn't like it and there was um one chap that went (laughs) that replied to it said weird we just spent about 20k on a recall for the exact same thing i didn't realize i could just write a social media post (laughs) 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 i mean that's clearly the way to the proper way to do it do a proper recall, not just post about it. And I think that was really disrespectful, to be honest. Yeah, and look, go go read, because we, we, we've got some really well-informed um, commentators in the Facebook group who are professional brewers who have got views about these sorts of things mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, and knowledgeable views about these sorts of things and had some great input. But, you know, beer is at this highly experimental phase at the moment where people are doing a lot of things because they can. And, you know, as an industry, you need to stop and ask... Should we be doing this? Um, and it was interesting to see that Trillium actually said that they flash pasteurized because mm-hmm. pasteurizing is one of the, you know, I see it as one of the last frontiers that craft brewers generally aren't willing to cross. And, you know, they sort of say cra- um, yeah. pasteurizing is compromising, you're harming your beer. Yeah, it's really well, strong opinions about yeah, it. Yeah, you know what? The second you make the decision to sell your beer outside of your own brew pub, you are making decisions about compromising your beer and it's just a question of how far you want to go to compromise your beer. If you're sending your beer across this huge continent, you're compromising your beer. If you are choosing to you know, send to places that you know aren't cold storing your beer, you are compromising. And as far as I'm concerned, 
pasteurizing is a smaller compromise because it it actually reinforces your quality promise to consumers than um, this mythical notion that by not pasteurising we are craftier when you, you look at as we've talked about you look at some of the things that brewers are willing to do and the adjuncts they're willing to put in you know the I, I, my view is that the only reason that craft brewers are saying that pasteurising is a compromise that they're not willing to make is because <laughs> they can't afford to compromise <laughs> it's hard they, and they, it's they, expensive <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pasteurisers are still expensive we can't afford it pasteurising is only seen as a compromise because not enough brewers are able to afford to make that compromise yet. Yeah, and look, if you are going to send out beer that you know is going to explode, um, well, then you know, label it appropriately, but don't call <laughs> Rallings labels, stickers and packaging because they don't want to be associated with that sort of shit. Um, if you're still applying <laughs> self-adhesive labels to your bottles and cans and believe that this is a sustainable solution for your packaging needs, you may want to call Rallings labels, stickers and packaging on 1300 852 235 to find out more. I did that last week, Pete. Yeah, that was great. Did you? Yeah, I did it. I did did it Pete style. Thank you. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare study, and again, it's it's only literally just hot off the presses. It's burning my fingers. Um, But the headline, alcohol remains uh, the most commonly used drug in Australia with about three and four Australians reporting they consumed alcohol in the previous 12 months. The proportion of people drinking at risky levels on a single occasion at least monthly or at levels that put them at risk over their lifetime has been stable since 2016. The proportion of ex-drinkers rose from 7.6% to 8.9%. There was also a rise in the number of people cutting back on alcohol with 31% saying they had reduced the number of alcoholic drinks they consumed at any one time. Now, uh, we'll probably dig a little bit deeper into that um, and we'll with, with yep. analysis. Uh, but I, I, you know, I thought that was very, very interesting. And you know, at a time when, have you seen the ramp up of the um, you know, anti-alcohol lobby wanting the pregnancy restrictions with highly emotional content we talked about last week and you know these figures show that demonizing alcohol isn't the thing that's going to work it's people making lifestyle choices Mm -hmm. and educating about you know positives you know we just know that prohibition doesn't work because the other thing that we uh see is that most drugs when, when you scan the illicit drugs marijuana ecstasy cocaine hallucinogens inhalants and ketamine (laughs) <laughs> which is horse tranquilizer, I think, <laughs> all is, increased yes. over that time. Um, so alcohol is down, but you know people are still behaving dangerously um, anyway. And putting a label on your ketamine isn't going to stop people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, exactly. I don't care about health claims on ketamine. Don't take ketamine while you're pregnant. <laughs> oh, please don't. I, I think anyone that's going to be doing that um, while they're pregnant probably isn't going to respond to a yeah. label in the same no, way. Anyway, definitely. BWS is calling for new local favourites to add to stores. So they're asking their biggest fans to um, of, of Australia's independent. Uh, beers to nominate bevies they think more Aussies should know about. So nominated suppliers will be in the running to not only receive ranging in stores for their specific products, but also advertising and marketing support. Mm-hmm. And we certainly got a bit of uh, feedback uh, from our crew uh, in the Facebook I group. I was oh, not no, I was prepared. The Facebook page. Yeah, yeah no, Facebook, Facebook page. page. Oh my god! Here, just a selection. Fuck BWS. Support your local craft store. <laughs> That's the general feeling. <laughs> well, that, that was a feeling of going, no, uh, you know, and, but then you had people going, look, I've only got a BWS, you know, within a 20-minute drive of my house. This is fantastic. And this is, you know, the, the, the great debate um, that you have coming up that, you know, yes, we all like independence, but when you start flying that independence flag, how many brewers that are flying the independence flag 
and talking about you should support independent um, breweries are also the bulk of their online, you know, the bulk of their sales are coming through non-independent bottle shops. And then you've got independent bottle shops mm-hmm. going, hold on, we supported you guys when you were little and now you're selling um, to independent bottle shops. Doesn't independence mean all independence? There is this huge, ugly, you know, complicated, never-ending debate um, about what goes on. Yeah, it's really interesting, yeah. especially because a lot of brewers I've spoken to said that getting their beers ranged in BWS, Dan Murphy's, what have you, actually really helped them through coronavirus. So what you'd, would you prefer them to have gone under because they've stuck to their guns and didn't go into BWS and Dan Murphy's? Like, you, you've got to be able to reconcile those those concepts uh, in your own mind, and apparently people are angry about it. And, and it's a problem... Yeah, the, you know, to become you know, into philosophy one-on-one ideology. You know, as soon as you take an ideological approach to anything and you are just vehemently anti-something without any nuance, without any shade, then you, you're basically saying craft beer should be a, a an inner-city, um, you know, privileged you know, beverage mm-hmm. that shouldn't be available to people who don't live next to a, you know, forward-thinking, independent bottle retailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on a business point of view, I mean, I looked at, you sort of drop a pin on any of your sort of smaller local breweries and look within the sort of five-kilometre radius of them, and there's probably 10, 15 BWS stores. Um, and for those smaller breweries, those stores aren't really an option because you only really get to go into those, you know, the BWS and dance and things when you get to massive yeah. sort of scale. So it could actually be the sort of next step up for a lot of smaller breweries who aren't quite ready to go huge but can start selling direct because otherwise if they can only sell to independent bottle shops which there aren't that many of mm. um like in queensland at least so um yeah i think it's a great opportunity for a brewery to and, and we sort of say oh well you know wouldn't you just drive to the brewery it's like well some breweries are only open four or five days a week mm-hmm. bws is open seven days a week yeah. some only open at four o'clock in the afternoon bws opens at 10 in the morning and open till 9 yeah, o'clock at exactly. night. It's just more convenient. Yeah, more convenient. It's another way for them to sell their beer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that B- BWS is outside of the Woolworths that you shop at and you can do all your shopping mm-hmm. and your beer shopping in one go, yeah. that's still better than going, you know what, I really want to drive across town through school traffic to buy a four-pack mm-hmm. of my favourite brewery's mm-hmm. beer. I can buy it right here. and I'm still supporting them in a way. Um, and what a be- better way to get mainstream audience to totally. go for independent beer yeah. is to have it easily available Absolutely. in front of them. Yeah. And BWS are doing a lot. So I did a few sort of training sessions with some BWS store managers. Um, BWS is trying to foster that local um, you know, mindset of, of supporting wineries that they have a connection with and breweries and things like that. So it's not like they're this... F- faceless corporation that just is out to screw over the small guy. Like they're, they're not they're just a faceless corporation. Yeah, they're not just <laughs> that. They have that angle, yeah. yes. <laughs> they can play there many is an element of that. And, and that's <laughs> the thing, and, you know. But, but Which is why people are annoyed about it. Yeah. But, yeah. but obviously, I mean, even this in gesture is a really good step in that direction. They're not saying, you know, oh, we'll buy a one case off them and then that'll be it. It's, yeah, yeah. They're, like they're a obviously token trying gesture. to do something to – because people are – there's obviously been enough noise where they go, you know what, people actually want to buy yeah. local stuff, so yeah. let's let's sell it. Makes sense. Uh, but again, and, and so that brings in the, the nuance. You know, are, are they only acknowledging that they've been kicked, dragging and screaming to that mindset because of all of the small independent bottle shops? Because I, I know particularly in Queensland, it was the change to small bar legislation, the creation of small bar legislation that 
created um, the, the, the scratches and the you know the small independent bars that suddenly you know and having spent ten years knocking on the door of the bigger hotels and saying you guys should do craft beer you guys should do craft beer and they were just so locked in their mindset that suddenly they saw you know this little bar in Milton with a line out of people wanting to get in and they're going, Jesus, maybe we should get onto this as Missing well. Missing a trick there, yeah. yeah. And that's and, and, and that's always a tension and, and that's why, you know, it was seeing that um, that made me realise that, you know, where I as a consumer choose to spend my money becomes, you know, my vote for what I want the industry Absolutely. to be. So, yeah, so I, I, it's awesome that BWS uh, are doing this but as a consumer, rather than bitching about this faceless monstrosity on social media and so saying, you know, fuck you, BWS. Um, <laughs> it's a part of the evolution. Yeah. yeah. And, and Go I out and spend your money. Make sure that you inconvenience yourself to drive to your you know, local independent bottle shop yeah. if and buy your local about, independent yeah. beer if yeah. that's what you care about. Yeah, totally. And I guarantee if, you know, that BWS store is selling through a case or two cases or ten cases a week of that new beer that they range, they're going to reorder it. They're going to keep ordering it and then they might get two SKUs or three SKUs or four and then all of a sudden it opens the door to more growth for that business and you are supporting them just not as directly. But if you can obviously support that brewery directly or, or the independent bottle shop. shop. And if directly. enough people in the community support that bottle shop, yeah. you, you, you'll end up with both. Yeah. Even better. Perfect harmony. <laughs> Done. Much like this uh, podcast. Just for those wondering, like myself, I'm just trying to picture somebody who is kicked, dragging and screaming. What to a, a brewery? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, dragged, kicking, and screaming. Yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> a, a, another that turkey guard malapropism. That makes more sense. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when I'm when I'm on a roll, you know, I don't want to stop to sort of make sure the words yeah. are coming out in the right order. But Donald Trump asked <laughs> that, isn't it? <laughs> Just make up as you go along. <laughs> but you know, I don't use a teleprompter. <laughs> cool. And so now it's time to jump into the ball mag or the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> All letter writers will receive a Deblue Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. Um, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. Uh, it costs you nothing but a little bit of your time and it helps other beer lovers discover the podcast and it also helps us uh, stay undefeated on top in the Australian Beer Pod Championships. Um, halfway through the season, I think there's only eight rounds left to go. Yeah. We're still on top, so, don't worry. Still on top, undefeated. Undefeated. There you go. Uh, now, so uh, from the mailbag, uh, Josh Gable, who's our uh, French correspondent, sent this in, um, the story of the uh, the pub landlord <laughs> who installed an electric fence Jimmy around his sent bar. This. Yeah, Jimmy sent this to me and he was like, is this what it's like in the UK? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Johnny McFadden, who runs the Star Inn in St. Just in Cornwall, said there was a limited space in his bar which only served drinks and no food. So he described the barrier as it's just a normal electric fence that you would find in a field. <laughs> Asked if Cornwall. it was switched on, McFadden said, come and find out. <laughs> There's a fear factor. And there it is works. a fear for Well, when you look this at the New, New South Wales pub that was the centre of this uh, thing, you, you oh, heard the yeah. New South Wales Hotel Association defending them, you know, like. The, the ABC had some um, patron who said, oh, look, you know, there, there wasn't even a sign-in sheet, there was nothing, and you had the person from the New South Wales Hotel Association so saying, well, it's, there isn't an obligation on them to have a sign-in, it's a, an obligation on the patrons to sign in. So as a punter in this massive heaving pub, you're meant to go looking for the sign-in sheet um, because they're saying it's not an obligation on the hotel. I, I reckon if you've got a publican who's going to enforce it this way, God love them. Just put an electric fence, yeah. 
Well, I think too, if you're um, if you're walking into a massive heaving pub, you shouldn't be looking for a sign-in sheet. You should be looking for the exit. Yeah, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, keep your distance. Wash your hands. <laughs> Look after each other. Uh, Claire, um, a nice review from uh, Daniel Ridd on the Pete Meddings. Oh yeah, uh, that was nice, wasn't it? Um, he says he sometimes drifts off when he listens to podcasts. <laughs> hopefully not ours. Um, well, hopefully but, he doesn't drift off into the traffic. Well, yeah, that's it. Well, when he's walking. When he's I walking, I think he, he yeah, walks. he'd be all right. And he said, yeah, well, on the Peter Meddings uh, podcast, he said, not only was the subject fascinating, but the way Pete spoke reminded me of my grandfather <laughs> and the old cocky types, farmer not smart ass, that used to sit at the bar in the pubs I worked at in my 20s. Great show, Matt. Best of luck, Peter. I was quietly pleased he didn't say, say that listening to Matt and Pete <laughs> yeah, yeah. his granddad, so I'm still not there yet. <laughs> well, was I chat. even laughed out loud into the night air once or twice. Yes. And that Pete, was good. Look, Pete has that, you know, uh, Matt and I had the absolute joy and privilege of um, doing a bit of a uh, Pacific Northwest road trip with the Meddings boys. Um, oh, I bet that was last well year. fun. And, and just, yeah, look, Pete's just a, an, an absolute gem and uh, all the best to him in his well-deserved, well-earned retirement. And I hope, too, that, you know, his legacy is that people realise that, you know, from starting out, you know, selling a few bags of this and a, some malt extract in a shed to, to what they do for the industry now is um, uh, is recognised as, as shaping uh, much of, of, of what we are today as a, as a community, Beautiful. the beer community. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, how you can have a go. Uh, there's a five star Apple review there. You got it. Yeah, well, I wrote it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you another, wrote it under another one of my new, is sexy. Yeah, <laughs> my new, my new login. Nixon is sexy. Left us a five star Apple review, uh, which Nixon is very underscore is underscore sexy. Yes. Yeah, so right. does that indicate that Nixon is sexy was already taken? You had to double underscore it. Yes, that is exactly what looks it implies. Like it. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two blokes walk into a studio and often bring Claire, sometimes Jimmy, and other great guests. Awesome wrap-up of all the industry news with multi-generational options. Thanks, Jimmy and Claire. (laughs) Thank you. The millennial correspondents. Yep. (laughs) And take on the current happenings in the beer scene. Highly recommended for anyone that has an interest in the beer industry and wants to learn a bit more of behind-the-scenes issues facing brewers. That's lovely. And it's really easy. It, they're not bad at taking star. credit for a lot of stuff, are they, these bloody millennials? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Hey, right, we deserve it. Yeah, we were... Uh, what, is, what, what was that generation? We were ignored growing up and told we could do anything and have anything, but actually yeah. the world's a really And even now we're listening to giving your prize That's just it. for turning up. Yeah, you know? I like that. <laughs> Participation medal. Well, we can't get mortgages and our pensions are going to be shit, so I'll accept some praise. At least we've got expensive craft beer and <laughs> five-star reviews. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you for that review, Nixon. And, that was uh, lovely, yes. Anyone else that hasn't reviewed, log into Apple and yeah. give us a review. Mainly mentioned. And also, the actually, there was, there was a, a a new Patreon. Oh no, no, not Patreon. Like we just we just have a link that if you want to sort of just give us a couple of bucks a month, um, or even a one off. Uh, now I, I I never know whether people want us to call them names out, but for for those of you that do have a monthly um sort of payment, or uh, the the person you know who you are who, who obviously listens to the show, um, and made a a donation um this, this week, um, which just sort of helps keep the wheels of the podcast running. Um, we we really appreciate it. Um, so, you know, whether it's a podcast review, uh, just participating in the chat room, um, or, you know, even giving us some of your hard-earned money that you're not spending on that expensive craft beer, uh, we really appreciate it. 
All right. And uh, now one more letter. And this is a two-parter because it ha- it's a call and response style. So, Claire, I want you in a French accent to read Josh, no, no, Josh no. Gable. And then, Jimmy, I want you in Claire's accent to reply. I would love to hear that. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Okay. Anyway, Josh Gable. We were talking about tap contracts. Um, and obviously, he's over in France in Nantes. Uh, and the boss, no, he says, nonce. is that how you say it? I'm not sure. Nonce. Nonce. Isn't a nonce something that you don't want to be? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's N-O-N-C-E. Not sure about that I know, but... There's Claire's more likely to bump into in the... <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed on that one. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, he says the bars will state that they have a contract de brasseur, which translates to brewer's contract. Um, pretty open about the contracts. Um Especially, uh, I think he says it's related to how they got fined for dividing Europe up between the big boys. Um, and I s- replied, Jimmy doesn't have to do my accent, um, that yes, hotels are reasonably open about that. the fact that they have one and some of the benefits that they get, you know, refurbs and uniforms and all that kind of stuff. Don't often talk about the hard numbers, but Matt did a really good piece based on a court case in South Australia. Um, it was not related specifically to the tap contracts, more about dodgy business dealings um, between owners, but it did finally release some of these details and it was a really interesting one on what you can get. But we are a little bit more secretive here on like the benefits that you get from it and specifically the rebates that you get. So... That's an interesting one. But we're doing more on that, by the way, Pete. So look out for that. I spoke to Tim Fishwick from uh, White Bay Beer about it because he was uh, um, had some strong opinions on it on the Facebook page. Uh, so look out for that. It is worth pointing out, too, that there are, like, this stuff isn't just the big boys. There are mm. independent craft breweries that have contracts of sorts as well. So it's not just, you know, David versus Goliath. Well, in th- th- that was one of the things that was very insightful for me when I first started. You know, so Coopers, you couldn't work out why Coopers wasn't everywhere mm-hmm. um, when I was because it was such a good beer and it, when it was all that you could get. And Coopers used to sort of always, on one hand, complain about being locked out and tap contracts and things like that. And then they went into, you know, their, their, their big um, battle with Lion when Lion wanted to take them over. And Coopers. You know, quite happily contracts now. You know, they proudly contract because you know it's almost as if, as a business, they see it as you know we we've got our big boy pants yeah, on now and we they can, can contra- move up from the kitty table. Yeah, we can contract <laughs> too, and that's why we've got this international range of beers and we've got these craft beers and we're doing all of that. Um, and you, you you saw it a lot with um, craft breweries as they got bigger. They used all of the tools in their ever growing toolkits to reinforce their business and that's one of the things that was really foundational in my you know i don't like the idea of tap contracts but the pragmatic side of me goes well it's one of those things that as soon as brewers can do it they are doing it so is it really that evil or is it just opportunity and an end and advantage yeah and it's, it's just business as well um you know if you can sort of say that guarantee of knowing you're going to have six months worth of leaderage through mm. a tap is, you know. And you don't have to pay a sales call every week to just yeah. to sell that one or two kegs of beer. Yeah, and unfo- yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, there, there is just a point where it's not really viable for breweries to just chase one keg sale at one venue every so often, mm-hmm. you know. So you do need these constant, you know, uh, constant sales going through. Yeah. To coin a phrase. Tap, uh, tap contracts they're terrible until they're not <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah anyway, I've, I've added it to yeah. his repertoire yeah. 
One cool. last letter before we wrap this one up for the week. Um, young fellow by the name of Matt Kierkegaard posted in our uh, Radio <laughs> Brews News Facebook group, what does the group think is the most clearly understood alternative to the term gypsy brewer? Brackets. Note, it refers to a more hands-on brewery and so different to contract. Um, and I think in a new record, 77 comments. So I think that's probably the most we've had for any post on the in the Facebook group. That's crazy. Uh, Matt, over to you. Yeah, it was just because when we write about it, we just automatically default or, you know, fall back into saying gypsy. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that in a with so many discussions going on about language and, you know, things that you know people care about, it just seemed like an unnecessary distraction. If that was going to be a word that became increasingly problematic, it just seemed silly to keep using it and distract from the thing that you're trying to say. Um so we're looking at what, you know, if we were going to use an alternative term, what people would a understand and what would you know people thought was uh, the, the most appropriate. And um, it was interesting that nomadic was by far and away the most popular choice. Um, but I'd, I actually see that you know it would potentially be problematic, you know, or, or could become problematic at some point in the future. And then it's got a whole lot of negative connotations with it as well, as, as some people commented. You know, so. Other suggestions were tenant brewer, um, vagabond brewer, and it basically because it comes back to somebody that is shiftless or um, you know itinerant or whatever. There's there's a lot of negative terms around it, but I, I did very much love um, the, the the best suggestion uh, Ian McNally um, from the Chosen Brew podcast, um, uh, amongst other things, um, suggested, you know, he looked into the dictionary Sojourn, which was somebody who spends a short time somewhere. Um, and then, because craft brewers love to have a uh, bit of a, you know, edgy marketing um, name, um, decided to shorten it to Sojo. So I thought that was, you oh know, I'm God, a Sojo brewer. That. It was uh, really, really clever. Um, Sojourner is a beautiful word as well. But and if you get a chance to, uh, if you've got an hour to spare uh, during the week when it pops up, um, have a beer, guess the year uh, that uh, Ian McNally does uh, at the moment, I think during the lockdown period, yep. uh, with comedian Nick Kappa, which is a, a really great listen. There you go. But, uh, yeah. So they, uh, they, they talk about beer and then um, throw in a few hints of th- things that happened in this particular year and then you've got to narrow it down and work out. Uh, what year it was? That's so it's, it's good. Good bit of fun. And Ian's yeah, contribution uh, actually inspired me. To, I think it was the first time I've ever memed in in because give him myself. Like I don't really like, but it has, it has been noted, and a mark has been put against your name <laughs> in the big, in the big well, no, book. Again, like ideology. Um, going back to my previous comment about ideology, if you get too wedded to the ideology, and it's not. It is. It is often a too lazy. It was approach. appropriate, and it did fit. Yeah. And, and it was fit, and it was the first thing I thought. He's an ideas man, and the castle, and so yeah. So it, it, it's not that we're absolutely. It's just that when it's just the, the lazy option to dismiss and not add. So yeah. So uh, thirty-eight votes for nomadic brewer, four for wandering brewer, three for cuckoo brewer. Which I think is a very American term because we don't really have cuckoos. And Pete, you had an interesting uh, take because I'd always thought I'd been told that the cuckoo. Um, was the appropriate because it's some it, you know it, the cuckoo is a bird that lays its eggs in another bird's nest. It kills you the said, baby birds well, in it. <laughs> but I didn't know that, so yeah, that was that. a thing. It so chucks thought, him out. It just lets him and die. Then, and then tricks tricks the now um, uh, what's what's an orphan mother. 
the mother of the orphans, the mother of the murdered children, um, is horrifying. then tricked into hatching the sitting Nature on and, is um, dark. hatching the, the cuckoo's eggs. Yeah. Which, again, I actually think that that being the case, Cuckoo could end up having a fairly yeah, you know, being like a problematic term <laughs> for, for the brewers as well. But again, I, I, I just sort of wonder about no, being a nomadic brewer, whether that, that because there is a nomad um, brewing, whether that is going to cause problems. You know, it's just kicking the can down the road a bit further. Mm. So. Yeah, unless Walkabout wasn't there, was it? Walkabout, no. Oh, I like that. Walkabout, walkabout is, is is particularly indigenous, I guess. That's so the thing. A, oh, yeah. Yeah, for, an, for, an, for an Australian term. As an Australian term, but then again, is that... Um, As an alternative to... But, but does that then become appropriation nomadic. by using a, a, a term? I, I, again, I don't know, but I, I can sort of see that there would... I, I can see that that would be an issue that some people would raise. What do you think, Jimmy? Yeah, I could probably see that maybe not sitting... Maybe as much as Gypsy Brewer doesn't sit. So basically, well. everything, everything, anything we come up with is going to be problematic in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yes. Just but I mean, <laughs> look at the end of the day, you go, well, let's just call them a brewer. But I do yeah. understand that the reason we're doing this is that there's a reason behind looking for a terminology that differentiates a brewer who has their own stainless to a brewer or a beer maker who contract brews somebody else to make their beer. There's that one in between who doesn't have their own kit but does brew their own beer yeah that, that's the thing like even within the non-brewery owning subset of brewers um there, there, there's that people who says look i'm very hands-on i make the beer just in someone else's brewery versus somebody who says look here's my recipe can you make it for me yeah. it, it, but I, I, think, I think it is a useful distinction yeah i think the new zealanders had a, a term called toll brewing I, I'm I sure, heard I'm that, sure yes. I heard very early on and I, I don't know whether it's just died off or whether they just keep it to themselves but yeah that you sort of you know, like, I know Adam like, Trip you know, Smith. Pay as you go, bro. I don't know. Adam Trip Smith um, <laughs> said toll brewing in the, the chat with I did with him back in January. Yeah, uh, there you go. Toll transport might have something to say about that. Problematic. <laughs> anyway, take us out, Pete. For this episode of Brews News Week. Uh, thanks very much to Cryer Malt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, and to our good friends at Beer Cartel who make this all possible. Thank you to you, Matt. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Claire. Cheers, Pete. And thanks, Jimmy. Thank you, Pete. And thank you to all of you for listening. We will catch you all again uh, for more of this. In the meantime, drink fresh, drink local, and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.